Oh no, there's another squad attacking. Welcome to the Third Party Podcast, your weekly Apex Legends podcast brought to you by Crossover Media. I'm your host, Shay, joined by my co-host, Henry. Henry, how's it going today? It's going great. We have a lot to talk about today, a lot of really exciting stuff, not just the Legends. Uh, I'm excited to dive into it. Yep, yep. I'm super hyped. This is going to be a fun one. We're talking about some good stuff. It's going to be a great episode. Uh, make sure to check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Third Party Pod. Sub to us on YouTube, Third Party Pod. We stream weekly updates. Um, so we're officially going to be doing Thursdays, 4 to 6 p.m. Pacific time, potentially going 5 to 7. But for right now, we're going to be going at 4 to 6 Pacific time on YouTube. Sub to us on there. Hit the notification button to get notified or join the Discord. Uh, we also post in there on Instagram and Twitter. Hopefully, if you're following us somewhere, you will find out about the live stream. And you can tune in because we got some cool stuff going to be happening on there. If you want to hear Henry and I talk about other games, check out the Good Games Podcast. Link is in the description below. Today we got a good one though. We're going through some news, breaking down the defensive ladies, Rampart and Watson, going through another legend concept, potentially introducing a new segment, time permitting, and dropping together, followed by some of your questions. As always, with that though, let's dive into the reviews. First review today is coming from A. Tucker Inc. It's a five-star review, of course. And all they say is lit pod. That's what we do. That's all we do. Lit pod. Sounds good to me. Next review is coming from Search and Decoy. Five-star. I've listened to all of their podcasts from when I first heard of them, and I really do love this game, so I waited to give my review. These guys know exactly what they are talking about. You need to listen with an exclamation point. As a Diamond player, Twitch streamer, they gave analytics that help me all the time. I really want to join the Patreon soon and can't wait for more content. Appreciate all the work you put into this pod. Keep it up. Love to hear that. You know, we have a wide spectrum of listeners. People mm-hmm. just getting into it, people that have been day one players. And so I think we at least try to give stuff that everybody will like, whether it's some jokes or some info or you know new news and stuff mm-hmm. like that and we try to cover a lot of bases there yeah we try to get everybody some information so that we can all talk no matter the skill level with that though let's dive into the news first piece of news coming from our you know good friend leaker shrugtol might have to get him on the pot at some point Maybe if you're listening someday. yeah new weapon type potentially in the game a gadget so there was a mystery ui slot that was seen on the dev stream Next to the grenades right now, uh, Shrekko was speculating that it could be a non-combat throwable, maybe a smoke grenade, flashbang. Henry, I know you got strong opinions about this one, so what are your thoughts? I just don't think that's happening. Like, Mm -hmm. no concussion, no flash, certainly no smoke grenade. I don't even think I need to explain that. It just doesn't really make any sense. But I do like the idea of gadgets. Mm -hmm. Gadget could be anything. Night vision goggles, basketball, flippers for swimming, like gliders. Gadget could really be any type of thing. It doesn't necessarily have to be like for combat purposes. So I'm excited to see if and when that comes into effect and uh, what it is. Yeah, I think it could be cool. I would be freaking blown out of my mind if it was a smoke grenade. Like, okay, now we get Bangalore's tactical as a throwable. Like, that would be crazy. We've talked a lot about flashbangs on this episode and how crazy they would be in this game. 
I don't know. I thought I knew what Apex was doing, though. And so and then they started making some changes that I wasn't ready for. So anything's possible. But yeah, hopefully it's more along the gadget kind of uh, line. Another update. There's some more stuff in the files for cross-play. There's a lot of information going around right now. There has been no official confirmed date for cross-play yet. There's a lot of speculation that the 5th, September 15th will be the day cross-play drops. Once again, not confirmed. We see it, you know, traveling around even in our Discord and such. So very well could happen, but nothing official yet. Yeah, that'd be quite the birthday present oh, for yeah. us that week. Um, but yeah, I, I'd be shocked if it really came that soon. I, I really thought that fall was going to be much later than that. Um, but if this kind of comes out of nowhere, that'll be very exciting. For sure. Uh, additionally, there's some speculation that in addition to cross-play, we can have some cross-progression. And so for people that don't know what that is, that means, you know, you got your level 500 account on Xbox, you start playing on PlayStation, and you could get all your skins and all your progress put over onto your brand new PS5 if you wanted to. And that's pretty interesting, you know? There's a lot of conversations about how realistic that is, you know, based on kind of historical record mm-hmm. uh, from EA, but also kind of the, the technical element of it and if they'll choose to do it. Um, no expectations here, at least. Yeah, um, I wouldn't I, expect it, but. Is what it is. Interesting. Could be cool. Yeah, could be cool. Uh, and then last but not least, we have from the user Bias12 on Twitter, who is another data miner. Uh, there is a stand emote in the files, which could be, you know, an on-ground emote, such as dances or celebrations. We've seen uh, Mirage and Pathfinder speculation around, and so those are definitely, could be some cool additions to the game. What are your thoughts on the dancing on people after you kill them, Henry? I usually don't do any emotes or dancing or spraying <laughs> or anything crazy like that, but I guess a lot of people think that's fun, so I support it. Whatever the user base wants, <laughs> Whatever right? Whatever floats your boat. Exactly. You want to dance, you can dance. I, that is what it is. That's our news, and now we got a nice, awesome Patreon thank you to go through. Yeah, so last week, you know, we said that it's been six months now doing the third party, and we just wanted to thank and shout out all of our, uh, you know, huge fans that support us above and beyond on Patreon, and we just wanted to give a personalized thank you to y'all. Um, first up, Mike, Mackenzie, Patrick, Ezram, Deanna, Melvin, Curly, Jordan, Madison, Barris, Justin, Miller, Kyle, Alan, David Z, Josh C, Ben. Yeah, thank you guys so much. And then we got some more people. Derek, Josh S, Max, David H, Sage, Kojo, Hydro Lord, Cade, Alex, Reed, Topaz, Snoop, Johnny, David E, Abalama, and Thomas. Thank you to all of you. You really help keep this podcast moving forward. Henry and I, you know, are happy to do all the bonus stuff that we give to the patrons. It's a really awesome time and amazing to interact with y'all. And anything you guys seriously donate and via the Patreon has thus far all gone back into the podcast. So you're just invested in your own entertainment at this point. And that really means a lot to us to see uh, just the support coming from any of you at all. Huge thank you. Really means the world to us. With that, though, let's get into the main topic of the day, and that is Mastering the Legends. Today we have Rampart and Watson. And so if you're not familiar with our Mastering the Legends segment, essentially Henry and I take a pretty serious amount of time 
researching, playing, and looking at two specific legends. And so we can really break down the abilities, some tips, some strategies, and kind of tell you about the best ways and situations to play these legends. And with, you know, a new legend being introduced, we like to do this uh, for that legend. We did Lobo last season. That was a good time. And so we got Rampart this season. And Henry has been grinding Rampart for this episode. So why don't you take it away? Yeah, Rampart is in the defense class. And, you know, I'm a Gibraltar main area control. And so it kind of seemed like a best fit for me to take on the role as Rampart. And so, yeah, I've really been enjoying playing her, experimenting. You know, this is a completely new legend, like I've said time and time again on this show. Mm -hmm. I'm shook that they put a turret legend into the game. So I've just been really having a blast uh, learning her, kind of deciphering all the small details that not everybody might know, some things that I discovered myself, some things that I've learned kind of through watching other people. Uh, But we're kind of just going to go ability by ability break down exactly what it means, give some tips on each, wrap it up at the end, and then talk a little bit about team composition. Mm -hmm. So really mastering this legend um, is kind of the title of the segment. Uh, I think this is a really good start to learning and kind of embracing the perks of playing as Rampart. Mm -hmm. So without further ado, we're going to start off with the passive. It's called Modded Loader. And That does two things. First, it increases the magazine capacity of LMGs and the minigun. And what that is going to do technically is a 15% increase. And I think on the last episode or when we first introduced uh, this, maybe on the graffiti mod Mm -hmm. back before the season, we kind of underplayed that a little bit. not to say it's the best thing in the whole world, but kind of essentially our vibe and our take on it was a couple extra bullets for an LMG isn't going to change an LMG because they already have double mm-hmm. the bullets as any other gun. But to not understate it, I just want to kind of put that 15% into some numbers. Spitfire without a mag has 35 bullets. With this passive, that goes up to 40. And what that is, is that's 90 potential body damage extra. It's kind of a lot. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to say that. I don't think it necessarily changes things, but 90 damage is 90 damage extra. Then the second part of the passive is faster reloads. And this, I think, is a lot more influential. So when you're using the LMGs, you have 25% faster reloads. And again, to put that into perspective, typically the Spitfire has a 3.33 second full reload. That's going to go down to two and a half seconds with this passive. And then a tactical reload is typically 2.8 seconds. That's going to go all the way down to 2.1 seconds with modded loader. This really puts things uh, in line, I think. It really helps... uh, make LMGs a little bit more viable. And then with, kind of we're going ahead of ourselves here, but with the ultimate being Sheila, which is also included in this passive, normally the reload of that is nine seconds. If you're playing as Rampart, that comes down to 6.75 seconds. That's a significant difference, especially when you look at the situations in which you use that minigun. Absolutely. So 
to kind of share my thoughts on it, we can discuss it a little bit here. Um, first off, this is a very unique passive. Tying a legend mm-hmm. to a weapon class is very interesting just by itself. But I think it delivers much needed attention for the LMGs, which last season and prior to that were really considered to be low tier weapons. Like if any mm-hmm. weapon class needed some attention, I would say it would probably be the LMGs. It's interesting because the concept of LMGs in a lot of games is, you know, more bullets and then big bullets, like high damage output per bullets. And then that reload time is really what, you know, kind of wrecks you and the mobility uh, really hurts you. But in Apex, the LMGs never really did as much damage as the ARs or even the SMGs. And so it was a little just like, odd man out in a way there. Yeah, and I think what this passive sets out to do is to bring more attention to the LMGs, and I think it pretty much does just that. It doesn't make the LMGs significantly better than ARs, which I think is kind of the closest equivalent. And let me explain that a little bit. So right now in the game, the tactical reload of the flatline and the R301 is at 2.4 seconds. With the passive, the Spitfire has a tactical reload of 2.1 seconds. So that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. It brings the reload speed from way over at 3.33 full down to below what kind of the most comparable AR's reload is. So that is pretty big. This is huge. But allowing to have the extended mag on top of that and have just under another kill per mag is all great. However, as good as this passive kind mm-hmm. of validates using LMGs, specifically the Spitfire, because that's kind of why we're all here, um, the damage per second is just not quite there. Um, the Spitfire has a damage per second of 163, and compare that to the flatline, that's at 190. So head-to-head, you know, if you're hitting all your shots, the flatline is going to kill the Spitfire pretty much every time, and mm-hmm. that pretty much is in line with all the ARs. So, because the time to kill is still way outclassed, if you're confident in your shots and you know you're practicing use with an AR mm-hmm. in such a fast game, still is not like with this passive you have to use an LMG. Is what I'm saying. And so, when the gap can close on you so quickly, you still even have the SMG versus LMG debate in of itself as well, which is just those when you're up against each other in close quarters, obviously, you know, those SMGs are going to win out in those kinds of fights. Yeah. And practicing, you know, with the LMGs, specifically the Spitfire, I've kind of warmed up a little bit to it. You know, having a lot of bullets allows mm-hmm. you to pre fire, you know, uh, use suppressive fire. It's all good. You can put out a lot of damage um, with one mag, but that time to kill still being outperformed by ARs as they should be doesn't mean that if you're playing Rampart, you can only use LMGs. That's pretty much what I'm saying. Yeah. This passive brings good attention, mm-hmm. but it, it's not like a superpower that forces you into this, okay, I can only use the L-Star, Devotion, Spitfire. And that was definitely something we were interested in and struggling with at the beginning of the season with her was like, do I drop a Spitfire for a, you know, like a G7 or a Hemlock yeah. or something? And we didn't really know. And I think the answer is whatever gun you're best with, but feel confidence even more so using those LMGs. 
Do you think the L-Star is an exception at all in close quarters? I think you really got to practice with it. Mm -hmm. You know, we spoke a little bit about the L-Star on the last episode. It's still a difficult weapon to master. Um, So I wouldn't come out and say that yet, Mm -hmm. I don't think, just to like the general audience. Um, But, you know, LMGs are not trash weapons. You can use them. Um, You just have to kind of have a good mindset, I think, going into it. Mm -hmm. But let's push forward and go into the tactical, which... As we usually say, the tactical is really what defines a legend. Um, It's pretty much what you're going to use the majority of the time. And for Rampart, that's amped cover. And you build a crouch cover wall, which deploys a full cover amped wall that blocks incoming shots and amps outgoing shots. And you can have a max of five out at any given time. Now, let's break down kind of the numbers behind this and what exactly this thing does in-game. So you can hold three in your inventory at any time. And once you put one down out of that three, a 30-second recharge starts in order to replace it. And that is pretty cool. You know, the fact that you can hold three is pretty much in line with Caustic and Watson. We'll go into that more. But this is good. Now, what it actually does, what the amped cover does, is it boosts outgoing damage of bullets by 20%. And then some added notes, you can't stack this damage. If you shoot through two amped walls back to back, it does nothing, and it actually destroys that second uh, amped cover. So that is, <laughs> although it would be nice, it's not recommended and certainly does not work. There would be some funny, funny trick shots if that was the case. You could really amp up Instead those bullets. Of five of them, really amp those bullets. Uh-huh. Um, but what that really does, that 20%, is it decreases the bullets you need to kill. And as always, I'm going to put it into perspective. Mm-hmm. G7, it's going to bring it one less body shot to kill. Mm-hmm. And with the flat line, it's going to be 1.6 less bullets to kill. Doesn't sound so, like a lot, but that's a big significant difference in the yeah. heat of a fight, I think. Yeah, I mean, it does something. It's definitely mm-hmm. worthy um, of being a, a pretty cool tactical. Now, the structure of it, is very unique. I, I didn't think uh, the amped cover was actually going to be like this. I honestly didn't even think you would have multiple. I thought it would just kind of be bigger. Mm-hmm. But anyway, the base of the amped barrier has a separate health bar as what's generated on top, the mm-hmm. amped part. The amped barrier has 175 health and the base has 400. Now, when you put down this tactical, it has to build. And that takes four and a half seconds to do. So any time within that four and a half seconds, these can be destroyed in one shot. Mm-hmm. Um, very similar to how caustic as the uh, gas barrels inflate, you can shoot them in one shot. Yep. So pretty much in line there. And shoot them anywhere. Yeah. Um, now, if you put down one of these walls and it doesn't take any damage, you can bring it back into your inventory, which is very nice. Um, but to go into some tips on how to use this tactical, because even though I don't know what it sounds like to you, <laughs> but it sounds kind of intuitive, it's not. Like it takes kind of some expert placement and really using it to maximize its effectiveness. It's just very uh, different in play style from anything else, really. Yeah, this and is so, a new skill set. Yeah, it's not intuitive, like you're saying at all. So, first, I'll kind of just talk about weapons to use. When we're talking about the passive, we kind of said that you don't need to use LMGs. 
But when you're behind this cover and you're holding a position, mm-hmm. LMGs are going to be an acceptable option. ARs are going to be a really good option. Snipers are also going to be really good. You're doing 20% more damage per shot. Mm-hmm. Those high damage weapons, LMG, AR, and sniper, are going to be a good option. And that's really just to maximize the effectiveness. That doesn't mean you can't use a shotgun playing Rampart. Mm-hmm. But that's just kind of my advice as to the situational usage of this tactical. But in using this tactical, it also requires a very high level of team communication to execute mm-hmm. a very defensive strategy in perfect position. So kind of in a early conclusion, I have to kind of say that Rampart isn't a great option if you're just trying to mess around with randoms and get high kill games. Like, there's just too much coordination that needs to happen Mm -hmm. in order to play Rampart to their best. So, for that reason, if you are going to be playing Rampart just kind of casually, don't feel like you have to use an LMG or a sniper Mm -hmm. because you're not really going to be able to maximize this tactical all the time when you're running around. Then, pretty much more kind of tips on top is grenades are really going to be your kryptonite um, as Rampart. And each frag or arc star that explodes at the base of an amped cover does 200 damage, just straight out, Mm -hmm. to the actual cover. So two grenades are going to destroy an amped cover. And on top of that, only two hits with a melee are going to destroy the whole thing, not just the top, the whole thing. So it definitely has some counters. But situational and like location control is your top priority, essentially, with this legend. So you don't want people to be coming that close and meleeing them. But that might be helpful to know as a teammate if you want to break something down. Or an enemy. Like Like if you're, you know, need to get past an area and a lot of the times they'll leave the walls up and abandon the area. And so it's like you can hop over them on some doors. pathways it gets a little tricky and so mailing them can be the best option in those situations yeah and you can also jump over them which mm-hmm. is really nice so you can go through the uh the shield aspect of the amped cover and so jumping over is pretty nice um a tip that i've used a lot is i'll put down one amped cover it'll then build i'll then pretty quickly put one behind so that it can while not being shot at and this kind of like in a fight it can build in peace and isn't kind of in danger mm-hmm. of getting its base shot. So if you can kind of have a layered defense with Rampart, um, that can be really good. And that's really to hopefully maximize that output you get from mm-hmm. the amped element of the tactical. Because that's what you want to be doing. It's not just for cover. You want to be able to be doing damage with this. And if you're not, you're not quite maximizing Rampart's kit because then you'd be better off just hiding behind a rock That's what I was or a shipping say. crate. Mm-hmm. So really, if you want to master Rampart, protecting these amped covers and using them to their best ability is really important. Do you think, where does this guy slot in for you when it comes to tacticals in general? Like, do you like it as much as like, you know, you're the Gibby bubble guy. Yeah. Like, where does it compare on those fronts? I honestly have to say, I think this is hard to use. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot of foresight and patience in order to just kind of hold tight to build up kind of a fortress. And then once things start hitting the fan, 
to be able to still overcome that because the advantage of the amped covers on each one only has 180, 175 health. Mm-hmm. That can go down in less than a clip for most weapons. So oftentimes you build up this big fortress and then the payoff isn't always there because really quickly in a fight that can get taken away. So I'd say it's pretty difficult. I'm not going to say it's a bad tactical. I'm not going to say it's like a game changing Mm -hmm. tactical either. Yeah. One of the things we talked a little bit about was being an enemy of a rampart. We have no hesitation in shooting the uh, walls. Mm -hmm. And so if the best it's doing is wasting the ammo, there's still an effect there, but we definitely feel like you can with, especially if you're shooting at it with more than one person, like you're going to get rid of that defense very easily. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And then just to kind of wrap it up on the tactical side, just some advice that I've kind of experimented is placing the AWOLs, there's kind of some cool spots. One, you can block doors with this thing, um, just kind of the basic two hinge doors. Mm-hmm. And that's really nice because they can't uh, come in. They have to break it down. And once they break it down, they have the base. Yep. And they can't shoot in. And you can shoot out and do more damage. So blocking doors is actually a really nice thing with this. And then the second place I like to put them is in the buildings that have an elevator shaft with a zip line. Mm-hmm. or a rope, um, putting one to block that um, can be really nice because it's hard to uh, crouch jump out on a certain floor. So you can kind yeah. of uh, trap people and keep them out. But also you can do kind of a triangle build um, within those entrances. And, and then kind of trap. Yeah, trap them in, shoot in through the amped cover. Um, and so there's definitely some defensive uh, value in this Defensive Mm -hmm. Legends tactical. Um, Hard to use, has lots of different cover, but also lots of advantages. Um, But this is Mastering the Legends. I'd say this is a hard one to master. Takes honest practice. For sure. Let's dive into the ultimate now. So, like I was saying at the top of the show, a turret legend. I would have never guessed it, Mm -hmm. but essentially that's what Rampart's got. Mounted minigun that anyone can use. It has a 120-second charge time, and you can have three out at once. Very fascinating, in my opinion. While deployed, Sheila, or this minigun, has 360 health and a magazine size of 150 rounds, or as Rampart with that passive, 173 rounds. You also have infinite reserve ammo, so theoretically, you got bullets for days. Mm-hmm. Now. This can also be seen on the minimap as a neutral structure, which is a very interesting call because, yeah, it can be used by anybody, Mm -hmm. but from a long ways away, this can give away your position. So keep that in mind when you do put this down. Um, You may not be as stealthy as you think you are. No, definitely not. Um, But kind of the breakdown of this turret and something that we were saying before this season even kicked off was... What's the incentive for me not using my main weapon and instead, you know, hooking into this turret? And this is pretty much the damage profile of Sheila. Deals 14 damage per bullet and has a two times headshot multiplier. There's no multiplier for arms or legs, which is Mm kind of unique. Most weapons do. And it has a rate of fire of 20 bullets a second. So very high uh, DPS. I believe it's 
280 uh, as the DPS for this turret. Um, it does require two seconds to spin up um, before the gun can fire. And while spinning up, it has a laser sight, uh, which is pretty helpful. It looks badass as well. It does. It absolutely does. And I'll just slide a tip in here as I'm going through the numbers. Pretty much hold down that left trigger all the time. Keep like, it spinning. You want to keep it spinning because that two second delay is enough for people to really get away from you and get behind cover. Then as you uh, depress the trigger and you start putting out some lead, mm-hmm. um, the accuracy spread is going to be really out of control at first, but it is going to narrow in and the spread is going to get drawn a little bit more together and be more accurate. So kind of the more shots, the better. Like an energy weapon, essentially, like that Havoc or Devotion in a way. Yeah, like turned up to 11 because mm-hmm. you got like a million billion bullets. Yeah, so a lot it's of them. certainly like, I don't know, a lot of people say spray and pray. You really want to be almost, and there's all sorts of vocabulary, spray and pray pre-firing you Mm -hmm. just want to be firing the weapon because it's more effective (laughs) more Um, effective gun when you shoot it great tip i love it it's true (laughs) um then you can also toggle the zoom so as you do it for like uh one to two times hollow Mm -hmm. um, you can actually toggle an included sight or optic on this turret and it's a one to three times zoom once you're zoomed in, it's kind of a hollow sight. It's really cool. It's it probably my favorite amazing. part of Rampart, to be mm-hmm. honest. And it also has the range indicator. Um, I'm not sure if that's going to help you with bullet drop <laughs> or whatever, but um, that is kind of a cool thing that I like. Um, if you put down Rampart's ultimate and you don't fire it and maybe you made a mistake, um, you can pick it back up for a 50% refund on the charge of the ultimate. Very interesting. We haven't seen something like that before. Um, but yeah, only if you haven't fired it yet. So hopefully that doesn't happen a lot where you put it down, have to reposition, but you can do that. Mm-hmm. And then maybe the biggest fun fact about Sheila is that one bullet knocks down doors. So basic two hinge doors, one person doors, um, it can be knocked down. Pretty nice. Um, you know, the drawback is it takes a while to set up the weapon and then to uh, spin up the gun mm-hmm. to fire. So you're not necessarily going to be uh, maybe tricking people too much, but you can do it as kind of a premeditated thing to mm-hmm. control an area and take out doors. And get rid of doors advance. and have teammates throw in, you know, grenades and stuff can be an effective tactic as well. Yeah. So pretty much my tips for using this ultimate are A, like I've said, spin the gun up always, all the time if you're going to be using it. Um, Always, always, always use the tactical. Put down the Amtoral first and then put down the ultimate. And please do not sit on the turret in the open without (laughs) cover. It's just so horrible. When I'm playing, if I'm doing like what I said, I put down the Amped cover and then I'm on the turret behind. If the Amped cover top is destroyed, I pop right off the turret. I'm not going to sit on there like Rambo Mm -hmm. um, because you're just a sitting duck. and your head can't move. So even if you're not scared of snipers, like you're just very, very exposed. Um, What I can recommend is if you're creating a defensive position, use multiple of the amped cover, of course, and then bob and weave between them. Um, And perhaps you hop on the turret 
um, to force enemies into cover or to stop them mm-hmm. from rushing you or to put pressure on a res if they have to do that. But essentially what I'm getting at is do not rely on the turret to replace your weapons. Use it for those three purposes. But other than that, you want to be using that amped cover for your G7 flatline, hemlock, whatever gun you want. Um, don't, don't use the turret to replace your current guns. That's pretty much what I'm saying. It's a very specialized thing. Um, and I would say it's a fear tactic, you know, fire the turret as, fire the turret as a, as a deterrent. Like (laughs) you want to use it as a fear tactic. It's not necessarily going to get you a lot of kills. It's not really designed that way. And, you know, the more you hold down the trigger, the more accurate it's going to be. So I'll just fire, 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 but don't stay on there too long if you lose that cover. You're so vulnerable. You're so vulnerable. And I've already like snuck up behind multiple ramparts and just shot them while they're on the turret, especially if kind of what you were talking about earlier, if your team isn't committed to that play strategy and they keep moving while you're trying to hold an area, you're so, so vulnerable. It's crazy. Yeah. And final thoughts kind of on Rampart as a whole. Some legends in this game, I feel, are very focused on the late game or considered closers. Like, I would say Crypto mm-hmm. falls into that, potentially Watson, in my opinion. Shale will be breaking down Watson here in a little bit. Um, some legends' abilities are just not really used right on the drop to survive and give you a combat advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, Rampart's benefits pretty much from being set up and holding in one position. Um, And that kind of leans to her being better in the late game. However, her amped cover can be used right off the bat and can have a positive effect once you really get down the placement. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm not going to put her into that only, you know, late game closer position, but she's definitely there on the edge. Um, Then the last word of advice is just slow down. (laughs) Like, Rampart don't need to be running around. She needs to slow down and wait, mm-hmm. like go to the right position, use survey beacons, get to the good position, set up and wait, slow down, take good shots. They do more damage. I think you can definitely benefit from a slower play style when playing as Rampart. And that's a common theme amongst the defensive legends in general, but I think especially true with Rampart and just kind of how the game itself is shifting right now. Yeah. Let's look a little bit at some team comps for Rampart. I know you threw together a couple of ideas, so let's go over some of them. Yeah, so where does Rampart fit in the current team composition meta? You know, the top uh, meta team compositions are essentially Watson, Wraith, Gibraltar, and Pathfinder. Um, Unfortunately, she doesn't really fit in or replace any of those four. Um, Rampart doesn't replace Gibby or Watson. Um, Just doesn't allow the same sort of... uh, benefits i guess or versatility mm-hmm. um but if you were to build a team purely around rampart and you and two other squad mates want to play as rampart i would recommend watson and bloodhound um bloodhound for that beacon to get you uh the positioning mm-hmm. um and to use that scan and in- intel to inform rampart's firing position you have this fixed turret with the amped cover Rampart's going to be at her best when standing still behind cover. Yeah. Um, that's just a fact. And so having some intel is really going to um, give you better 
information and make a really good decision. And then Watson uh, is going to be really nice as well to support uh, the cover and defense that Rampart has. Nades are Rampart's you know, greatest foe. Um, and the secondary fences and that Watson ultimate are really going to protect Rampart. Love Any it. further thoughts about Rampart? I mean, I think you said it all. Fighting against Rampart's not as scary as I was expecting. I really haven't been killed that much by turrets. It's pretty easy to duck behind cover. Mm-hmm. Um, but from a team composition standpoint, I do like having the the Watson definitely is awesome to have with the Rampart. And if you're confident in your ability to play the circles and such, and you've played so much that you know somewhat of the circle... It can be really nice to have that wraith with those two to move uh, the legends that don't have a lot of movement abilities just when you're trying to rotate early and such. But Bloodhound is still amazing as always and Pathfinder kind of bridges the gap between the two in a way. True. Ready? Let's do it. We're going to dive into Watson now. So we got the defensive ladies, as Henry said. Watson is an interesting case study because Watson is almost three different legends in a way depending on where you're playing you got public lobby watson which you really just don't see that often you got ranked watson which a lot more use but definitely still not uh, the same legend as competitive watson competitive play watson pro play watson that's like just everything revolves around watson in that meta and so we're kind of going to lean more towards that ranked slash competitive side of her when we're talking about mastering her because she plays a lot differently in public lobbies when people are chasing and tracking down kills and such when you got a watson your team's got to revolve around the watson we're going to break down the abilities though starting with the passive spark of genius it's one of those abilities that's got a lot a lot of sub abilities so instead of charging a bit of your ultimate ultimate accelerants fully charge it and standing near interception pylons boost your tactical ability to recharge. Watson may also store up to two ultimate accelerants per inventory slot. And her tactical, which is called perimeter security charges, have a three second cooldown instead of 30 when near an interception pylon made by either you or another Watson. And that is all kind of, while it is, you know, all of her abilities, it's all encompassed into the passive there. Yeah. This is a good ability. It's incredibly important when looking at Watson's kit and kind of relating it to how she's played. And I'll bring it up a little bit more later, talking about the ultimate. But it also creates a very balanced team composition uh, when you're working with other people. And so what I mean by that is being able to carry multiple ultimate accelerants in one inventory slot is really nice because it's great inventory management. Uh, It not only grants you your own self to use this ultimate multiple times, and place down multiple if you feel the need to. But having Watson carrying multiple ultimate accelerants is good for your team as well. You know, if that Wraith needs that portal or that Jibby wants that bombardment, like you will hopefully be carrying at least two. And I don't think it's a crazy thing to carry four of them because you're really not going to carry a lot of grenades when you're Watson just because it's a very sucky feeling when you throw your grenade and your own ultimate kind of destroys it. Yeah, it'd be awkward to carry a lot of grenades as the anti-grenade legend. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It'd be, it'd be a little uh, counterintuitive. We also have low profile as a passive for Watson as well, just because of her smaller hitbox. Not as small as Wraith, but she's definitely right there with Lifeline, theoretically. And so yeah, let's dive into the tactical. There's a lot more to talk about here with the tactical. 
and that is perimeter security, which is essentially defenses that we see everywhere in ranked and competitive play. So the fences have nodes, and you connect nodes to create electrified fences that damage and slow enemies with a max of 12. Got a 30 second cooldown on each node, and deploying a new node at the max amount will destroy the oldest node, and with 12 being placed at maximum. And you kind of have the UI system built in with the blue diamonds that showcase how many you've used. Uh, when you press LB, you kind of enter that screen. It's very intuitive. One of the coolest things, like Watson's whole UI kit is mm-hmm. really, really cool. Uh, the nodes must be within 20 meters to be able to create a fence between them. And then if you know an enemy crosses it, it stuns and damages enemies and as well pings the breached fence location to you and your entire team. The damage is 10 for each tick. So if they cross back and then try and retreat, you're going to deal 20. And the slow rat lasts roughly around one to two seconds. A node can also be connected with up to two other nodes at the same time, and they can be picked up to refund a charge. Fences will be temporarily disengaged when Watson and her teammates' squad pass through them. Each node has 25 health on the ground. They can die really easily. You can carry four charges as well. Fences are... I, it's hard to even say the bread and butter for Kit yeah. because the ultimate is so important as well. Mm-hmm. But those two just couple together and they really create this legend that it's so funny. Like when we look at her, when she was introduced, like we had Octane and then we had Watson. Very different. Polar opposite. Polar opposite in the way they're played. And so, yeah, at their best, you know, fences should not be looked at as traps, which a lot of people kind of put those together. You know, putting up fences is very much you establishing your presence in an area. It's meant to deter enemies, not so much damage and have people come lure in like a caustic trap and then surprise them. They're super visual and hard to shoot through. One of Henry's favorite strategies is kind of like if you're on high ground or even in an open area, put up two fences and shoot through them in a similar way to that amped cover. And whether it gets rid of aim assist or not is something Henry and I have not been able to figure out, but it sure as heck feels like nobody can hit you at that point. I certainly feel like because it's red to them and mm-hmm. most people's reticles are red, it can be really hard to just see a target behind there. Um, I, I think it does something. I, I like doing it. I don't know if I need to recommend it, but it is something that it's, I do. I thought we had to, to throw it. We had to throw it in because it's, it's, it's a Henry staple and this is the third party <laughs> pod with Henry and Shay. So, you know, we had that. Uh, node placement is incredibly important with Watson. They can be destroyed very easily. So hiding them around corners, placing them as far away from the door as possible is really key. You know, putting them behind trees, rocks, all those kinds of stuff, very similar to hiding the bottom of the caustic traps when you place them to try and just avoid people being able to shoot them because if people can slice through them really easily because you put them in line of sight when you're right next to that door, they're going to be not even close to as effective as they could have been. Uh, The best use of this tactical is not really mid-fight. It's meant to push people away from your position or to give yourself a big advantage when they do either get forced into you or make a decision to just attack you, which happens sometimes, especially in public and the lower levels of ranked with Watson. But I will say I'm personally not there yet enough to do this consistently. Uh, But a couple of the Watson players I've talked to talk about how like if you really have them mastered and a lot of PC players do this as well, when you're like running away or someone's chasing you, 
especially in those urban environments with multiple buildings, the spin around and place two real quick on a door can buy you some serious time to get a couple heels off if you need to. Just because most of the time, people aren't going to just like run straight through the fences, even though you will see the occasional person that does it. Uh, Another thing is with these fences, you know, you have Watson with Wraith being kind of a fun combo. Uh, if you see a portal, people love to fence those portals. And then if you're taking the portal yourself, you know, throw a fence on those portals too. So if somebody chases you, uh, you're putting out some serious, you know, stun and hurt to them and hopefully can get a knock or two that you may have not been able to uh, outside of that. Also, when holding ability, make sure to throw down, we call them like the triangle fences on the door. And so you have like the two that kind of like block the door, create the wall, and then you kind of have one that's kind of in the center of the door and creates like this triangle vibe, which not only one shows, tells you that people are there because they have to shoot it, but mm-hmm. also if they do decide to run through, now they're not just running through one set of fences, but they're running through two sets of fences, which is a serious difference from the amount of time you will have to shoot them and they're stunned. Another popular strategy, and we see it a lot more in the global series, is they call them X's. And so this is when you have multiple doors. It's, there's not like a lot of building types I can give as an example, but like when you have two doors back to back on each other, throwing down X's. So you have a fence does not come across the doorway, but if people walk in or run in and they got, try to go left or right, they're going to hit that stun. So essentially they would have to walk in, stop and stay where they are to uh, not be stunned which is, you know, vulnerable in of itself. And the reason for doing this is that uh, if someone, you know, opens a door into your fences, it will break. And this kind of avoids that because you don't really want your doors to break when you're holding a building. Like one of the things Henry and I do when we're playing Watson is like if someone goes outside, you know, making sure that the people that are inside are opening the doors just so nobody uh, opens it up themselves and breaks the door because you don't want to have new lines of sight into your building that you would have otherwise. Yeah. When you're playing with us, you have to ring the doorbell mm-hmm. to be let in every time. Every time. Any I'll, other thoughts? Yeah, yeah. I'll add a couple more ideas with the fence. Um, not just doors, but also zip lines. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Fencing zip lines is really nice when you're playing with a wraith or against a wraith. Uh, fencing those portals uh, could be a really nice yep. trick as well. Um, and also... You can also have a little bit of offense with Watson. If you see a team in a small building, mm-hmm. you can fence them in. Yep. Um, and then even though I totally think it's an art to place the Watsons, uh, a little bit of advice for those fence node placement is the wider, the better on yep. those door frames. You don't want it to be, you know, one dot on each edge of the door. You want to be wider so mm-hmm. that people can't turn and get a good angle to shoot at them. So the wider, the better, I think, is maybe the simplest way to improve that placement. And you will play around and find some crazy ways to place them that you did not think you could. Like, it is kind of crazy, you know, throwing fences, like, behind bookshelves and stuff that you didn't think uh, were there. Like, it's really kind of cool to see the options that you can find. And honestly, if you watch you know, the pro series, those guys are freaking experts at it. They know every inch of the map in those buildings and they know exactly what they're doing when it comes to placing fences. Let's now dive into the ultimate, which is, oh my goodness, 
just the bread, just the butter. It's everything. It is the thing that makes Watson run. And that's the ultimate. Place an electrified pylon that destroys incoming ordinances and repairs damage shields for the next 90 seconds. You can put a max of three of them out. This is the interception pylon. Has a 180 second cooldown. It's really good. The pylon will also destroy outgoing ordinances. So if it lands in the radius, so like Bangalore's, Jibby ults, you know, if you're in the open and someone throws that ult on you, you'll see a lot of Watsons immediately throw down their ultimate to kind of counter it in a way. Deploying a new interception pylon while already having the maximum amount will just automatically destroy the oldest pylon. You also recharge around two shields per second when you're standing next to it, both you and your teammates. That's one of Henry and I's favorite things about this ultimate is especially in those ranked games where a lot of the value is positioning and getting that high ground, you might be limited on resources because you had to rotate early. And so being able to save cells and such is very, very nice. And two shields per second, it adds up real quickly. And saving cells, after our last episode, just kind of talking about the value of them, Mm -hmm. uh, this helps more than ever now. Definitely. The pylon lasts for 90 seconds, and it's a very cool UI countdown around the base, uh, or by hovering over the placed pylon's ping, you can see it as well. Uh, The pylon has 150 health. The pylon is neutral, and therefore can recharge enemy shields and shoot down your squad's ordinances as well as your enemies. The shield recharge effect doesn't stack if there are other pylons nearby, which is very important because when they change that, uh, there were a lot of people that were like, am I going to be putting down three of these and just like infinitely healing, supercharged? Uh, the pylon will protect you from any ordnance or airstrikes if it hasn't got clear sight or if the ordnance has already landed. So if you you know, want to throw it down, but the Bangalore artillery strikes already in the ground, you're screwed. It's going to destroy that as well. Uh, the pylon can be destroyed by shooting it, which is definitely the biggest weakness and it can block doors and it is climbable which is not something you're going to use often but when you're targeting a rich environment that's right you like to have some fun sometimes when you get bored that's true i'll also add i didn't tell you this before the show Mm -hmm. but the radius of that interception is 25 meters awesome um which is pretty far it's sizable in an open area you Mm -hmm. can really get a lot of control out of that and the nade protection and the caustic grenade protection cannot be un- understated. Yeah. And so looking at this ultimate, Henry and I have considered it the best ultimate in the game uh, multiple times talking about it. The way you can control games and control areas when pushing for wins, especially in ranked and competitive play, has turned it into a necessity for a lot of people. There's a lot of people that feel that if they don't have a Watson on their team, they're not going to succeed. And having the Watson and playing to that Watson play style is definitely going to at least help you with your placement a lot of the times, especially if you are good enough at rotating to get into those later circles early on. Another thing to know about this ultimate pylon placement is so incredibly important. It cannot be overstated. Uh, Place the pylons around corners, out of line of sight, behind cover. Um, It'll help you a lot. You don't want this thing to get shot down, you know, even with the ability to fully recharge it with an ultimate accelerant, you don't want to be wasting these things just because you can't get them pretty quickly. Uh, pylon shield regeneration is not something that can be slept on at all. If you take significant damage, it can really help speed up that healing process. 
and save your teammates consumables. So like if, you know, someone gets knocked or something and we know they're kind of far away, sometimes it's fun to place down that pylon and then res your healing while you're reviving and then your teammate pops up and immediately starts uh, taking on that shields. And that is kind of just a nice way to speed up the process. It's like if you have the lifeline tactical drone and you pop the drone and then start charging your shields, speeding up the process a little bit. Uh, the later the game, the more valuable that pylon is. You know, the time of the rings shrink, the size of the rings shrink. And so saving it and coupling it with the ultimate accelerants to have at least one always out is kind of the way I think Watson's aim to play. Like you put, you found your area, put one down, Keep it there as long as possible. If you have to rotate, hopefully you got a way to get there. Immediately get one down. Start fencing up because the ability for the ultimate to charge that tactical and make it be only every three seconds for the fences is absolutely huge in taking control of an area in a way. Some overall tips on Watson. The first thing is that the gunplay is so important when you're playing Watson. Your mobility is really limited. Uh, you have zero mobility abilities and you have low profile and you have a smaller hitbox but it's not like your wraith and so like people play wraith because of the small hitbox i don't think people really play watson because of her small hitbox uh longer range weapons are definitely what we normally have the watson playing because when we play with a watson we are going to play to that watson's strength and that is the key thing in that if you have that watson on your team you're not pushing. You're not being aggressive. You have to play for positioning, high ground, power positions, and stay back. Deal some damage at range. Charge your Evo shields with that ultimate. Triple take. Freaking amazing, amazing weapon right now. Henry was really vibing with the G7 and the snipers when he had his little Watson stint either last season or the one before that. And that's just a good combo in of itself as well. Playing for the best positions in not only in general, but in your fights is important as well. So like having your cover, establishing your cover and finding that is key. Like you do not play gunfights the same way when you're Octane versus when you're Watson. It is completely different. Yeah. And that's pretty awesome. You know, we coupled Mm -hmm. Rampart and Watson together here because they have a lot in common with that pace of play. Yeah. Another tip for Watson, play with a full squad. Uh, It's not fun to solo queue Watson as all. Uh, You will end up chasing things and not really using the kit at all. Watson's best when you're playing safe, playing with the team and communicating, having a great time when everybody is on board that they want to play with that strategy to get the win today. Because there's a lot of strategies to win and revolving your game style around Watson is one of them. Whether it's the most effective one or not, is a big debate for a lot of people. In competitive play and high levels of rank, it's very, very common to see, though. You know, Watson thrives in that urban environment. Lots of buildings, limited entry points, being able to control areas. And so if you see the game is shrinking on Fragment or Skyhook or something, definitely get there early. Take your building, establish your defense, because people don't like pushing those Watsons. And theoretically, you should have a serious advantage. And so, yes, you will, as always, you know, sometimes lose when you have the advantage in Apex Legends. It's going to happen. This game is not perfect. There's a lot of environments. You have the, oh, I have my ultimate up, but a grenade still got in somehow. Like, that does happen occasionally. But overall, if you're playing for that positioning with Watson, you definitely have a serious advantage. Rotate early. Rotating early, securing the power position with Watson, you know, 
That is key. A lot of people think that when you play Watson in the lower levels of ranked, uh, you get targeted. And in public lobbies, you get targeted <laughs> because people are like, oh, we know they're there, so we're going to go push them. Theoretically, while if that may be true, you just got to be able to use that defense to your best of abilities. And honestly, if your whole team is on board, you'll have a serious advantage. The problem comes when you don't have your whole team on board with that defensive style at all. Talking about some team comps. Some team comps. I mean, it's... There's one team comp. Yeah. For Watson. Like, it's really... It's been the staple of Apex Legends for a long time now, and that is just Wraith, Gibraltar, and Watson. You know, Wraith and Gibraltar give you the attacking balance while also being able to move you and defend you. It's really just kind of the staple in that pro community. I think having, you know, the Wraith or the Pathfinder to help move the Watson is a pretty nice combo to have a lot of the times. And you're just not going to want to play Watson with the aggressive, aggressive legends. Like Octane, it doesn't make a lot of sense to play with Watson, you know, even though we have a lot of listeners that love defensive Octane. Um, and Henry and I have tried and experimented with the Watson caustic play style. It can be fun at times and really go for locking down that area. And we've had listeners recommend uh, Watson, uh, caustic, and uh, Rampart. And that can be fun as well. We've talked about the challenges with it and that you don't know the circle often and you'll be limited in those early gunfights. And that's kind of where the Watson issue comes in slightly. Totally. Team composition is always a fun thing to do because you can get away with a lot of different uh, combinations, but kind of having more versatility, covering more bases, um, it's going to be better in a BR, I think, just overall. Mm -hmm. You know, if you double down on defense, you can have success, but, you know, there's a lot of random variables in this game. Mm -hmm. And so having uh, your bets kind of spread out a little bit more can uh, maybe be more recommended. For sure. And that is Mastering Watson and Mastering Rampart, the defensive ladies. We hope you guys picked up some tips, not only for playing the legends yourself, but when you get on a team with them and maybe how to look at what they are forced to do because of their play style and their composition. We're hoping to do some more legends on this segment in the future. We have some really fun ideas for Wraith because she's such a difficult legend, but we know that she's definitely high in demand and will be coming up shortly. I love this segment. I think we provide some good information, hopefully, to you guys. Yeah, we'd like to do it more, but try to just go really deep. So yeah, there's it, more coming. We've mm-hmm. got a lot to cover ahead of us, but hopefully you guys are liking the direction we're going. Time to dive into a new segment by the numbers. This is Henry's brainchild, so I'll let him explain it for you guys. Yeah, so by the numbers, I've been trying to get it on this show for like three weeks now. <laughs> um, some good feedback we've gotten just on breaking down... Uh, the analytics or the mm-hmm. specific stats on legends or weapons. This information is sometimes hard to find and hard to gather yourself. Mm-hmm. And so we just kind of wanted to create a new segment where we look at one specific weapon, break down everything you need to know about it from the headshot multiplier to the range to the reload time. And this week we've pretty much been forced to cover the triple take. <laughs> Triple takes freaking amazing weapon right now. And let's tell people why. Yeah. So now that it's season six, you have a built in choke. Um, you can toggle it on and off. Um, and pretty much what the choke does is while you're aiming down sights, it reduces the bullet spread um, by holding 
uh, mm-hmm. down the aim down sights and charging it up. Um, triple take kind of is what it sounds like. It's a three shot sniper. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that choke can kind of bring in uh, that spread of the three shots across a distance. Um, but just kind of diving straight into the numbers, um, the magazine size is going to be six, seven, eight, nine, according to the extended mag you have on it. Yep. Um, putting this in line with the longbow, um, which also starts at six, but then goes up by two um, all the way to 12. Um, so they start in the same place, uh, but they end in pretty different places in terms of bullets per mag. Mm-hmm. Reload speed, uh, pretty interesting. You have a 2.6 second tactical and a 3.4 second full reload. Um, this is just slightly faster than the longbow, which has a 2.66. So we're just talking like a fraction of a second mm-hmm. difference on the reload. But then the damage is where things really get interesting. So three shots on the sniper, 23 damage per shot. If you connect all three shots to the body, that's 69 damage. Mm-hmm. There's a two times headshot multiplier. So it's 46 damage per shot to the head. If you connect all three to the head, that's 138 damage per headshot. It's so good. Pretty ridiculous. Longbow, just so we can have something to compare it to, is 55 damage per shot. Only has one bullet, not the three. Mm-hmm. Um, and has a 2.1 times headshot multiplier. So it can do 115 headshot or a 2.5 times multiplier with the skull piercer to get it all the way to 137 damage for the headshot. And this, I think, will shock a lot of people for this segment by the numbers that the triple take, if you can connect all three shots, it does more damage than the longbow with the skull piercer. Yep. Kind of a shocker to Mm -hmm. most, I'd assume. But then the biggest change, season six, is the rate of fire changes. And this is really what I think most people may have been feeling so far Mm -hmm. and why we really need to cover it. The shots per second right now with the triple take is 1.4. Used to be 1.25, so quite a buff. The longbow is 1.3. So it went from being slower than a longbow to significantly faster um, on the trigger than a longbow. This, kind of coupled with the increased damage, if you can connect all three shots, means that the damage per second for the triple take is going to be 96.6, and the longbow is going to be 71.5. Less damage, less shots, just kind of don't make it very mm-hmm. competitive. Then, the time to kill is going to be 2.4 seconds, and what that is is the three shots at 175 hit points, body shots only. 2.4 second time to kill. And the longbow is going to be three seconds for the time to kill with four body shots. So a little bit more approachable to use this triple take. And then to kind of wrap it up, you know, I can hear a lot of people talking about, well, this is a, a three spread mm-hmm. weapon. You know, you're not going to be uh, hitting all those shots all the time. And the choke, even though it's built in, Charging it up to bring in that spread takes time. And so sometimes the longbow and the sentinel are going to get more shots off faster, um, going to be able to catch people in the open more just because the rate of fire might be faster, specifically mm-hmm. the longbow. Also, because it's a spread, it doesn't guarantee that you do the 69 damage per shot. Mm-hmm. But 
now that it has the fastest shots per second, and after doing some testing, even if you don't use the choke, if you disengage it, the triple take can easily hit all three body shots within 50 meters. That's pretty good range. 150 feet is not bad, mm-hmm. but I will say outside of that 50 meter range, longbow sentinel could be better. You know, because you're going to be getting more damage on. After that 50 meters, you're going to have to wait for that choke. But you have it, and it still puts out big damage. Yeah, we love the triple take right now because of the versatility that it offers. It offers that medium range that the other snipers are just a lot harder to use at. And one of the things I've always loved about the triple take is it can be a freaking shotgun up close. Like that thing, you can hit multiple of the spread and deal some serious damage. Like, try hip-firing the triple take versus hip-firing the sentinel or the longbow, and which (laughs) one... Yeah, you're going to have a lot more success with that triple take. And so the versatility is really something Henry and I value because it's like if you are at a pretty long range using the choke, it's not going to make a huge difference if you were using that sentinel or longbow and so having the extra versatility is super amazing in fights now totally absolutely and you know the triple take is intended to hit moving targets you know Mm -hmm. you have that spread so that you do some damage better to do 23 or 46 than do none by missing a shot with the longbow for sure now we have the dropping together segment this dropping together is for the 5m or miller Looking for a ranked team to play together long-term on Xbox, where I'm currently gold for nearly three. I play Bangalore, Lifeline, and Gibraltar. Gamer tags the 5M. That'll be in the description below. Make sure to go add Miller. Have a good time. Get some wins on Xbox. Anything else? Long-term teammates are where it's at. Mm -hmm. Definitely makes the game a thousand times more fun. Certainly recommend it when people come to us. Uh, We definitely like to get them in front of our audience because. That really makes this game awesome. For sure. Wrapping it up now with some questions. First question is coming from Linton Rocks. Love the podcast. I'm a Bloodhound main and was wondering what should be a good strategy for him. Should I play offense or defend to get more damage? Uh, I'm going to say for Bloodhound, they are awesome for offense. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's going to be the strategy. Uh, like we say, ABS, always be scanning. Yep. Um, use that to kind of expose people, flush them out, know where they are, be able to turn. Um, I'd say pretty much offense. Yeah, offense. I mean, the defense obviously is nice when you want to get those scans off, but Bloodhound was made to attack people and identify who is separated and take one-on-ones, two-on-ones early on in engagements and really just pick apart a team. Absolutely. Next question is coming from Part-Time Genius is the best, a five-star. Love this pod. This is one of my favorite podcasts, and I love to listen to all of the news and theories. Question, what are your guys' gamer tags? Great question, part-time. You get access to our gamer tags by subscribing to our Patreon. It's obviously not a guarantee that we'll be able to play, as we have a lot of people to play with, but it is one of our Patreon tiers, so we don't share that one out publicly. Thank you for the question, though. Last question from Little Potato Chip, five-star. So guys, I have an idea. The Devotion is getting a crap ton of hate, so maybe it could permanently be put in the crafting station for 145 crafting material. What's a gun cost right now in the 45? Yeah, it can be, yeah. Yeah, 
I don't think the devotion is uh that much of like a like it doesn't need to be balanced that much. It doesn't need to add an extra hundred and permanent. Like you might yeah. even run into the same issue now where everybody will be wanting to go craft and use a devotion if it's really that easy to access. But I hear what you're saying, Potato Chip. This is a good thinking outside of the box solution uh, to this potential sticking point this season. I just look at kind of why they brought the devotion back. Mm-hmm. You know, essentially it's because of Rampart. You know, having a third LMG is kind of essential to validate having that passive. Um, but I think everything's going to come into place with the devotion. Mm-hmm. You know, they're going to continue to look at it, continue to balance it. Um, it's a gun that right now needs attachments, yeah. you know? And so it's in a decent spot on paper. Um, a lot of the times the meta is defined by public opinion and just hype. You know, everybody's using mm-hmm. the Mastiff, therefore it's the best gun in the game. Um, you know, so I think with time, the devotion will be changed and I think it may fall out of favor a little bit, but the whole idea of the crafting station, it's, it's puzzling to me. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm excited to see more of what comes out of there. We'll see what the future of this game entails on that front. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Subscribe to us on Apple Pods. It would help us out a ton. Follow us on Spotify. Leave a five-star review with your question. We'll answer it on our next episode. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Third Party Pod. Sub to our YouTube channel and Third Party Podcast. We stream weekly. Make sure you stop by. Join the Discord. Join the awesome community via the link in the description. It means a ton. Thank you guys so much for listening to the Third Party Podcast. Peace. Hey now, another squad coming in. Boom, whole squad down. Hey, brother, not today. Maybe tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs>